Hello and welcome to everyone listening. I'm Satonia Jack and this is Time Well Spent, a place where the most brilliant minds in the world take on the toughest questions in science, politics, technology, and much more. This is the home for thoughts well said, emotions well explored, and time well spent. Stay up to date with everything moving the world forward by becoming a subscriber today. My guest today is Daniel Eck, the co-founder and CEO of Spotify. Daniel is, in my opinion, one of the top 10 most influential men in the world. So this conversation was an honor and experience of a lifetime. And of course, I'm forever grateful to Spotify's head of global comms, Dusty Jenkins, for making this all happen. So the structure for today will be a traditional rapid fire back and forth Q&A because I didn't want to interrupt his stream of consciousness at all. And yeah, so the questions will come fast and I'll jump into the first one now. Spotify saved the music industry, which lost half of its revenue between the turn of the century and 2015 by making on-demand music streaming more persuasive to listeners than piracy. And from this fact alone, it's easy to decide that the future of music has finally arrived. But what might music distribution and consumption look like in 100 or 1000 years? And how does Spotify see its role in shaping that future with tools like Discovery? There has really never been more potential for user-centric innovation in music than right now. And my first instinct is to imagine that Spotify's slogan, the soundtrack to your life, may become increasingly literal. Will algorithms collate user data and curate music according to life events? Will Spotify integrate with one of the many excellent facial recognition platforms today and become a melodic mood ring? What data does Spotify have now that may tell us what listeners in 2121 might want? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's uh, no one's ever asked me what it looks like in 100 or 1,000 years. I think the longest anyone's asked me is probably the next sort of decade or two. But um, that's, a, that's a fun and engaging topic to talk about. But, uh, you know, I, I, when I first go back and think about the basics of music, I mean, it's something that's been present with us really throughout the entire existence of humanity, right? And so music used to be how we shared knowledge back in the day. Our elders, tribe folks, uh, used to tell wisdom and stories through uh, music. And so I like to believe that in the next 100 or 1,000 years, music will still be a very important part of our society and how we express culture um, and belonging. Um, but as you do say, I think the, the real fascinating things is that music is becoming more and more omnipresent and it's becoming easier than ever for all of these creators uh, to express themselves. And it's becoming easier than ever for anyone in the world to uh, enjoy and be inspired uh, of that. So I think there are two ways uh, that is the most fascinating way uh, that I can imagine sort of in the next hundred or a thousand years that will change. The first one is the bar of creation is getting lower and lower. So if you think about it uh, a few hundred years back, if you wanted to write a symphony, you basically had to be a genius. You had to hear all the notes in your head of every instrument and then could play only one, but sort of had to hear them all in concert, how it would sound. And the greatest of uh, that era never heard their music being played up until that very moment when uh, they were rehearsing for the opera uh, that they were performing in. 
um, you know, probably that very same week or month. So I had only very little ability to actually then do changes. So they had to hear the entire thing in their head, which is pretty insane, and then write it down on a piece of paper. Um, and then, you know, you fast forward to the 1950s uh, or even jazz uh, sort of in the 20s and 30s, where it was kind of the age of instrumentalism where you basically had to be a virtuoso at that instrument you were playing in order to express yourself, but you could play with other people and you can kind of freelance and freebase that response. And then if you fast forward to today and you can see that many of the greatest musicians that we have now, many of them actually don't know how to play a single instrument. Uh, but what they do know is that uh, they're almost like computer programmers. They're expressing their vision in a computer software program uh, and are able to bend sound and um, bend our reality. And I like to believe that creativity in the next 100 years will be even easier to express yourself. Um, so the barrier to getting that and the barrier to be creative is just going to be lower and lower and lower so that more people can become musicians because it's still a pretty big bar. I mean, you have to learn this software. You have to learn all the sort of plugins and notes and you have to do composing and stretch and beats. And that's, um, you know, something that takes a lot of time for people to learn today, even though there's a lot of knowledge on how to do it. And I think that's, a huge barrier for people creating uh, today. And I like to believe that that's going to get lower. And then, um, as you said, the, the second aspect is just the consumption in itself. And, you know, I like to describe where we are now uh, as, you know, it's quite obvious to people that you can create a better mix yourself. Like if you really wanted to sit down and wanted to create that perfect playlist for um, your day, you'd be able to probably do a pretty good job uh, by yourself doing it. And, and Spotify will do an okay job at it, but it's pretty clear that you, with just 20, 30 minutes of work, can do a much better job. And so I like to say Spotify is like your friend. Uh, and we know music in general, but we don't understand you that well. Um, but I think in the next decade or so, Spotify will become that friend that really knows you and knows music, but you might still be able to do a better job yourself in expressing, uh, you know, what you want in that moment. But after a decade, I'm not so sure uh, that you will be able to do a better job yourself. I, it's very possible that Spotify will be able to create a much better soundtrack to your life than what you could potentially even imagine doing yourself. And, and this is kind of a crazy thought for people because we, I think we always like to believe it's like, you know, I love um, going back in time 10, 15 years ago when we were talking about video conferencing. And I remember using the first one, it was insanely expensive uh, to use. You had to have a separate ISDN connection. You had to put in the IP address of whoever you were calling and they had to have a similar, very expensive system. And it, it, it wasn't a great experience. And so people then said, well, uh, it's pretty clear that uh, physical meetings always going to be superior to the digital one. And now we're here in 2021. And clearly, we can have these video conferencing on uh, whatever equipment we want, uh, wherever we are in the world and communicate. Uh, I don't have to know your IP address. You don't have to know mine. We're just communicating and we're, we can interact 50 to 100 people at the same time. 
but we still think somehow that uh, meeting virtually will not be as good as uh, meeting uh, physically. So we still say, well, the physical meeting is uh, still a lot better. Uh, I actually believe that uh, the virtual meeting might even supersede the physical meeting uh, in the future. And we will have even better experiences virtually than we are having physically, which is kind of insane to think. Uh, but if you believe that, then it's not a stretch to imagine that uh, you could also have music uh, that alters, maybe the future musicians are actually creating songs that alters based on you, who you are. So there's this general idea about it, but it actually um, kind of adjusts and adapts based on you um, to become the perfect one. And maybe there will be songs in the future. You know, I had this thesis for our, for some of our folks that are, are working on better music software, I said, what if we could create a song that just always updates itself and just instantly kind of is, tries to become the number one song for all ways, like you know, just wow. constantly updates. Um, and, and I think, as, even if it sounds pretty crazy, I do think that something like that will be possible sometime in the future. I just have no idea when and where. Uh, and I think we'll have some amazing musicians and artists and songwriters that will imagine up some crazy way uh, to express that into the future. Completely awesome answer and nothing less can be expected here. I'm going to jump straight into the next one and I'm really excited to hear your thoughts since this is one everyone is more or less anxious to know. So my question is, Spotify has never been more essential for stress management, personal growth, work motivation, and leisure than since the beginning of the pandemic. We've all had to find some way to really maintain our bearings as the world hit turbulent and uncharted waters. And some of us, separated from friends and family, had to go it all alone. But Spotify led the way back to each other and back to ourselves through music sharing and discovery. Seeing a whopping 50% increase in TV and game console usage in 2020 alone. With Spotify becoming something like a center of gravity in everyday life, and with the new shipment of Greenroom, Spotify's live streaming platform, is Spotify's emergence as a full-scale social media platform in the works? Well, we're, we're certainly trying to... Uh, you know, become the soundtrack for every moment, wh whatever that may be. Um, and um, that obviously means that uh, we're trying to make it a lot easier for people to consume music and, and audio uh, in more places and in more ways that fits their lives. Um, we, I, I don't believe we're trying to become a social media platform, but what we are trying to do is, uh, in, in the sense that social media platform, my definition is to have uh, lots of users try to sort of interact with each other and that be the sort of center of the experience. For us, it's a lot more important that we allow artists and consumers to interact in more ways than we have in the past. Um, so when I think about Green Room, uh, I, I think about the ability for you um, as a creator or a host, just to host a room and invite people, but actually moderate and steer the conversation. And that's a very different social experience than uh, what you'll have on um, you know, uh, Facebook or WhatsApp or any of these other kind of social platforms uh, that exist. So our view is we want to make it so that, um, you know, artists and creators 
are having more ways to express themselves, more ways to interact with fans, and then ultimately more ways of monetizing their art so that they can sustain themselves as artists. And, and, and that expression and interaction with their fan base is something that Spotify hasn't done up until now, but uh, it's certainly one of the areas we want to develop in um, and, and offer a better way because we're now at the point where we have... Um, say about 400 million people um, on the platform. So, you know, wow. there's a huge audience there, but, but um, most artists don't know uh, how to interact with their fan base there. And we would just want to give them more tools to do that. So is Spotify considering adding a like button and a comment section? And will these features be worth transforming Spotify into a platform which is no longer opinion free? Yeah. So, I think we'll add something like it, but it won't be what most people probably imagine when they think a like button and a comment button. So again, the most important thing for us is that we put the creator in control. So uh, one of the big things we started doing just a few months ago, and you can see us um, see it already in the product. So if you're a podcaster, you can actually do some of this stuff already. So you can have polls where you can have users respond to some of the contents you're putting out and ask questions. And you can also feature that. So you can, as a creator, show whether you want to share what the answers were by the audience. And similarly, um, you know, um, there's all sorts of ways like surveys and so on that we're working on as well um, as ways for creators to express themselves, but also get interaction from the fan base. But um, I, I personally think many of the things that we talk about, like buttons, comments, et cetera, are things that are very much sort of old social media norms. And I think the newer social platforms uh, like TikTok and others are innovating past that in a new way. They still have the same type of functionality, but it doesn't work in the same way as many people perceive a common field should work uh, when they think about that connotation. So we're definitely in the latter camp and we're definitely in creator control rather than a user-to-user -user social media network. I want to go back for a second and touch on something which you mentioned before about online space approaching a point where meeting a person over your phone can supersede the quality which you might experience physically. And my question is, tech innovation is no longer confined to physical places because of the mass adoption of things like Zoom, which exploded ever since COVID arrived on the scene. So how can we make Europe a place of innovation? Yeah, um, I mean, this is uh, a matter that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I think the, the good news is it's uh, in some ways already happening. Um, so, I mean, the good news is when I started as an entrepreneur, the reality is um, many of us didn't know what venture capital was. There was no sort of norm about, um, you know, how to work with venture capital, what a series A round was, what a series B round was, how to pitch a venture capitalist. Like none of that stuff existed. Um, and today, if you're a budding entrepreneur, wherever you are, you practically can uh, find all of that stuff online in five minutes on how to do that, how to pitch. You can uh, reach out directly on Twitter or LinkedIn to a venture capitalist, get a meeting set up. Uh, there are many now in, in Europe. Uh, there are many all over the world that are happy to look at pitches. There are angels, there are people in the business community. A lot of these things just didn't exist when I was there. And that's led to a lot of growth. So I think, um, you know, when, when, when you look at entrepreneurship, the crazy stat is this, 
you're you're right to assume that Europe is behind the U.S. But what's fascinating to me is like even when you look in the U.S. And if you take uh, Silicon Valley and Seattle out of the equation, uh, U.S. would actually do worse than Europe. So it's really up until now been confined mostly to two places, which is Silicon Valley and Seattle. All the tech innovation that you uh, think about uh, of all the Apples and Googles and Facebooks and so on are, uh, and Microsoft are really in a very sort of confined small space. Um, I think... Uh, that barrier has been broken now, and you're starting to see more and more companies pop up all over the, uh, the place. So you have Snap in LA, you have companies in New York, you have um, you know Klarna and Spotify in Stockholm, you have UiPath out of Romania. Uh, there's companies all over now uh, that are breaking ground that are serving as inspiration for those sort of local clusters of people. So I, I think the good good extent is already happening, but I think the primary way for it to continue to happen is just spread of knowledge uh, that's happening. So uh, podcast being a prime example of this, just it's so amazing how much knowledge is available by uh, by you just searching for it and finding it about almost any topics uh, that you want. And there's so many people who are paying it forward and sharing their experience and expertise that I I wish I had that amount of resources when, when I started out. Um, so I, I think that means that we're going to see more innovation, more spread out in more places now. Um, um, as it comes. But then obviously the rest of the ecosystem needs to get there too with uh, venture capital and so on. And I'm hoping that that will catch up eventually. Excellent. Returning back to music and music's future for a second, my next question for you here is most developments in the state of any art emerge from combinations of popular culture and niche cultural forms that are hardly ever considered with the history of rock being a great example. Rhythm and blues eventually met with country and folk to affect the huge change of combining what had initially been exclusively black and white forms. And now something like the syncretism singularity may be on the verge of happening with all the world's music being made available everywhere by Spotify. Is Spotify seeing anything like a blending of music across cultures? Is Swedish music becoming more South African? Is South African music becoming more French? Is everyone becoming more American? That's sort of what I'm wondering about. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so fascinating to see uh, because, I mean, if you look at the history of pop music, uh, it's very much been uh, an American um, and British sort of uh, artists have kind of ruled the world. But what you're seeing for the first time uh, now is uh, the sort of uh, new world order, uh, if you'd like, where... Uh, you have BTS from Korea making it big. You have several Latin uh, acts. I mean, right now, as an example, one of the popular uh, songs that my kid love kid lo- kid loves uh, is uh, the song "My Universe," which is Coldplay and BTS. They're singing along to Korean lyrics and loving it uh, as kind of one of these crossovers. So I I, I think you can see that already, um, and. Uh, uh, and, and it's happening in the ecosystems where streaming has matured. Like, I, I don't think that there's a coincidence that South Korea and uh, Latin music is making it because both of those are like very streaming penetrated um, areas. Um, for me, 
I'm, I'm more excited in what's next. So if you think about uh, the sort of next regions, like you have uh, India uh, and Bollywood music, uh, I'm sure will have a big moment of the global stage um, in the next few years. Uh, and then past that, I'm super excited about uh, African music, uh, where we're still much more nascent, but like West African beats, um, uh, are already influencing a lot of hip hop, um, you know, Kanye West and Drake amongst many others. But I think that's just the beginning because right now no one in the Western world understand that that's actually, uh, you know, very much inspired uh, from Africa. But I think you're going to see, um, you know, for sure in the next decade, a lot more African um, songwriters and artists also making it on the global stage and more collaborations um, between artists uh, across the world. And what's cool for me is like, um, you know, a lot of them are writing these songs, uh, not even together. Like they are literally on opposite sides of the world, speaking about technology and kind of FaceTiming some of that stuff and then recording it in their own studio and then sending over these files. And I I believe uh, in the future, you might have a live recording across two rooms, just working real time uh, on that song. Right now, it's kind of a tedious process where if I do the vocals on your song, I have to kind of record it separately, send you the file. You have to incorporate it into mixing. You then have to to, um, export it out, which is a tedious process, and then send it back to me. And we have to bounce it back and forth like that. Uh, but obviously in the future, it should work like Google Docs. We should be able to do it uh, at the same time um, somehow. And, and Spotify actually has a, a product called Soundtrap where we're trying to do exactly like that. My next question is probably the most important for young people today. And it's that in my interview with Andreessen Horowitz, co-founder Ben Horowitz, I asked whether or not college is still necessary to achieve the American dream, considering that technology now makes it possible to access the same learning material and communities that have mostly been confined to campuses for the last few decades. And his answer was that unless you want to be at the leading edge of a field like physics, the value of college may not be worth the current cost. Is that sentiment true in Europe in general and Sweden in particular? I mean, one thing which really makes you so interesting to me is that you left college early as have a lot of the most brilliant founders and artists in the world today. And Spotify makes it possible for millions of people to do the same thing and make careers doing what they love without any formal certification hurdles. Will the internet end up eating the university? Yeah, I mean, look, Um, I think the value of education obviously is immensely important, but there are many ways to educate yourself um, as you rightly pointed out. And uh, I do think education needs a fundamental reform uh, in order to keep up with where the world is going, both the wealth of knowledge that's now available online uh, and just the ability for us to uh, realize that as individuals, we all learn different ways. Some of us may prefer just to hear the content. Some of us want the visual uh, interaction. Some of us actually wants to write it down. Some of us want to uh, teach it to another person in order to understand it. Um, and so my, my view is we have to do a, a fundamental uh, educational reform because the reality is Uh, building, educating ourselves once in our lifetime probably doesn't make sense uh, anymore. We have to continuously educate ourselves. Um, With that said, I I do think 
when you're dealing with kind of a base level of knowledge and a breadth of knowledge, something like a college or a university still makes a ton of sense. I, I, it's not for the faint hearted to drop out of college and have nothing to lean back on. Uh, and it's not something when people ask me that I would uh, highly recommend unless you're absolutely certain of what you want to accomplish in life. So actually for, for those that aren't sure what they want to do, having an education to fall back on could be very important and valuable. Um, I think many of the founders that you're talking about, including myself, we just always knew what we wanted to do. And it so happened to be that that was kind of the bleeding edge um, anyway, and wasn't being taught in schools. So there was no knowledge to be found there. So we ended up going out in the world and gathering it um, in a different way. And that's, that's obviously still going to be important. But I think for the world and for equality, um, you know, it, it, it's ironic because when you talk about the American dream, uh, there are two foundational things that is insane that they've gotten expensive, more expensive. Almost everything in society has gotten cheaper, like electronics, food, all of that stuff. But there are two things in US in particular that's gotten more expensive, and that's healthcare and that's education. Both of them, for me, is about the foundational aspects of uh, equality, you know, and having an equal opportunity in the end is about having healthcare and education. So I think it's essential that we as a society, and broadly speaking, all societies um, spend a lot more efforts and resources, both in reforming healthcare, but, but in particular, back to your question, reforming education too, so that more people can participate in it and have success. My next question is that I always wonder how extremely successful founders manage to do what they do and then also have kids. So I'm wondering, how do you do it all? Yeah, well, uh, I, I, I think the most of the most successful people I know um, are very good at managing their time. Uh, and it really starts with that. And it's not that we have more hours in the day, even though uh, it might seem, seem so sometimes, but it, it is that um, uh, what I've observed is that, and, and certainly in my case, I, I start with a very different principle in mind when I allocate my time, uh, which is most people I've found um, allocate their time by first come first serve basis they basically try to fill up their day with as much as they potentially can and whoever comes first gets the time slot and then they just keep building on that i actually start off with a pretty much blank thing and then ask myself what i want to accomplish during the day uh, and then uh, i start there and say no to everything else uh, so sometimes my days uh, are surprisingly uh, have almost nothing on them. Um, and sometimes my days are very full, uh, but uh, it's not unusual that they are almost blank. Um, and obviously one of those things when speaking about family and kids, it's something that I prioritize uh, very, very high up on my list. And I do make sure uh, that comes number one. Uh, so whether it's uh, putting my kids to bed, like I just did, or, um, you know, showing up at a recital or, or whatever, that's highest priority. And unless uh, the house burning down, I'm, I'm just simply going to prioritize that above and beyond uh, everything else. And I think it starts there. And most people 
haven't thought out what their clear priorities are and are, as I said, they've already started with a calendar that's pretty full. And then it's very hard to prioritize. But if you just clean it all up and say, this is what I want to accomplish, and then you're ruthless about prioritizing, um, it'll do wonders for you. But this is the thing. it's Time is the most precious commodity we have. We just um, can't get more of it, right? It's just whatever number we have, we don't even know. It's just going to be be there. And it's one of those things we can't get more of. So uh, for me, it is way more important to prioritize uh, and be ruthless about that uh, than any other thing in the world. So going a bit into prioritizing time and doing things which are meaningful, I'm wondering if you listen to any podcasts? Generally, I should probably say I do listen to podcasts at about two times the speed, uh, which has <laughs> become a, a good time hack, hack. although it's, it's, it's strange for me to listen to um, a lecture or anything in, uh, in, in real life these moments because I keep wondering when, when I can turn up the pace to 2x the speed. And my final question for you is, why does it seem like the people in tech and the people in art are so similar? My background is almost exclusively in art, but the people I wind up connecting to most are all in tech. And every single one of these guys is virtually indistinguishable from a writer or painter or composer. And it's, it's really the strangest thing. Since you live in the nexus between the highest levels of both spheres, art and tech, and you're also an engineer, I'm wondering, is tech a sort of veiled art? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, I'm I'm not sure we can say that universally about all tech entrepreneurs. Um, so, but I I certainly agree with you that there's quite a few of them that honestly could have been artists as well, and and uh, it, if if they just applied themselves to a different field. But the same is true with many artists too. Uh, many artists uh, I know, if they'd just chosen to apply themselves. Uh, they could have been amazing entrepreneurs. And a lot of them actually are amazing entrepreneurs um, as well in their own fields. Um, so I certainly think that there's a lot of um, skills and some of that sort of seeing the world in a different way and uh, be willing to be misunderstood uh, while you're doing that, that uh, remains true across uh, both categories. Uh, but it's an interesting observation. I haven't thought too much about it. Uh, but now that you say it, uh, yeah, I guess it's kind of true. Uh, I do hang out with both a lot of artists and founders, and there's a lot of similarities between the two. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure of a lifetime because I consider you, without a doubt, one of the top 10 most important people walking on this planet today. So it's a total honor to have been able to ask you a few questions, and I appreciate you coming in to talk to me today. That's all too kind, Satonia. And by the way, I'm a huge fan of the show, so really appreciate you doing thank this you. with me. Thank you, thank you. <laughs>